What's up, horse fan triloquists? This is the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, the podcast for cover band musicians and band leaders to learn how to rock more and suck less. Here in Atlanta, Georgia, I am Adam Johnson. And here in Greensboro, North Carolina, this is Wilbur. Uh, horse ventriloquists. Horse ventriloquists? Uh, I could tell your lips were moving. Oh, sh- well. Even all the way from down here. Dan Ray, not a horse ventriloquist. I don't know. I'm just starting to put words together. Just two well, words. Well, all right. All right hang on. Uh, hi there. Uh, no, sorry. Hello. Hello, Lionel Richie fans. Yeah. Lionel Richie's playing Greensboro. In, Dude. A, in about a month. And every, every billboard between my home and my office is a Lionel Richie billboard. Every single square foot of your town should be covered in Lionel Richie. So uh, I, ha- I have a small confession to make. Okay. On the way home today, I saw, because I have been seeing them, the Lionel Richie billboards. And I thought about this song, Hello. Hello. And I haven't heard the song Hello since it was literally charting. I mean, I don't think I've heard the song since 1980, I don't know what. You must seven. not be trying. Well, or I'm not an 80s tribute band. The point That's is, um, I put it on. I, I seried up Hello. And um, the thing that I remembered about Hello is still the case, which is um, that big old major chord at the top of the intro to the chorus. Yeah. Hello, is it me you're looking for? That chord yeah, that's it major. It's, yep. Well, it's non-diatonic. It's a major minor substitution. And it's so good. It's yeah, yeah. Compositionally, it's so good. It's so good. What, what <sighs> I, my takeaway from that one is still, it's one of the, one of the greatest guitar solos. For sure. Well, and here's what I had completely forgotten, is that after the second chorus, the drums come in, into this very, very pockety slow jam groove. Mm-hmm. And it's tasty. And there's a guitar solo in it that is choice. Uh, yeah. I had remembered it as a very cheesy, very forgettable piece of sort of schlock pop. But um, uh, Lionel, man. Now, honestly, besides maybe like you are, like that's probably his crowning achievement. It is a remarkable song. It really, really is. It really is. So yeah, I, I, and, a, I, and a, I will confess, I will confess, I was full on belting it by the time the third verse came. Yeah. I mean, with, with the, the, the words somehow dredged up from way in the back of my brain, like back 100%. in my 80s cortex, right? Yeah. Absolutely. It was, a, it was an experience. I remember having that moment, um, like it was junior or senior prom, and um, one of the guys in the limo brought... Uh, thriller like on like CD nice and I hadn't listened to that record all the way through you know since I was a kid right but like front to back I knew every word to every song it was just baked in totally the way yeah it's the way I am about Pink Floyd's whole catalog dude it's funny you mentioned that so this is fresh development um for those of you who follow the uh the Facebook account or the Instagram account I just got a uh a package from Christie's in New York City hmm um, my friend Carly, who I posted about that got the opportunity to play Dave Gilmore's black Stratocaster before they sold it for $4 million. We're going to um, call it playing what she did with it. She held she, it. She, she held played it. a D chord on it. That's, that's yeah. what she, right. she was comfortable all right. playing. All right. All right. Um, she sent me the, uh, the auction catalog and a canvas tote bag from the, from the auction. Sweet. And when I say like this book, like this guide 
is literally 177 pages. <laughs> it's every single guitar on that list, multiple pages, completely spelled out. Because he sold them all. He sold, like, practically his entire collection. Yeah. He's probably playing, like, a like a Strandberg, some sort of really croggy <laughs> modern guitar. Uh, he's playing a mid-Mexico Fender. Yeah, I mean, or just something he... Like you wouldn't expect, like a flying V or like a like a Jackson Kelly or something. Steinberger, something. Hey, there were actually three Steinbergers in that auction. Really? Yep. That's the cool. old GSs from the uh, the American made ones. Those things are incredible. Nice. They're you know it's all carbon fiber. They're hollow. They weigh <laughs> nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. They were they were ahead of their time for sure. Yeah. I still think they're ahead of their time. Nobody. <laughs> they're like. People are like, it's too modern. Like, it's 30 years old. <laughs> really? Come on. So, anywho, um, yeah, I was really stoked on that. Like, just got it. I flipped through the pages, and it's, I, you know, I, that was very cool of her to do that. So, big thanks to them. So, uh, we have a little bit of house cleaning to do on the top of the episode, and then uh, we can do our little gig recap, and then yep. I can, yep. you know, do my little spiel. Um, so... Uh, I know a lot of you guys uh, were really excited to listen to our uh, conversation with Seth from uh, Party Cannon. Um, we've actually gotten some inquiries about doing that some more. And if your band is interested in doing that, we can figure that part out. Um, coming within the next couple of weeks, uh, we are going to have a conversation with Jim Kimball. We were calling him Jimmy Kimball. I don't know if he goes by that. No, he does. J-I-M-I, uh, like, like Hendrix. He does. Okay, yeah. Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy Kimball, not Jimmy Kimmel. Um, he's not, we're not quite at that level yet. Uh, he's, he's quite the get anyway. Uh, Jimmy plays in a group called Rekt, uh, out of uh, Auburn, Indiana. R E K T. Yes. Rekt. It is spelled in a, incorrectly intentionally. No, but it's just the right incorrect way. It's perfect. Indeed. Um, Jimmy was the, was on the other end of the guess how much money is in the stack, uh, deal. And uh, so we're going to be setting up some time with him over the next couple of weeks, and we will more than likely post that as an episode as well. They've got a very different situation, and um, I'm really, really excited to uh, to dig in with them and um, see how we can help. Yep, yep. We got some great feedback from the last one. Yeah, um, yeah. It's really, really glad to hear you guys are interested in that sort of thing. And um, we um, we did have some inquiries about pricing. We don't quite have that doped out yet, but. Um, yeah, we were kind of talking about it. Um, you know, if that is something that we end up doing kind of in the future, it would, we, we, we had kind of figured out, you know, Dan and I are uh, very experienced in very different um, kind of markets mm-hmm. and worlds. So it could be a situation where you could book just, you know, time with, uh, with Dan or just time with me, or we could hook up some sort of like group chat um, like we did with Seth. Um, it, it is something we are considering, and if the um, if the interest is there, you know we we may pursue it further. Yep. So side hustle. All. Sure. Why not? No, hey, I'm. I think that there's, you know, we we kind of talk about how amazing it is that we've got you know the numbers that we do, but I mean, it's it's all just a matter of time. I feel like you know this is a very large market of people. You know, most musicians are. Guys like us. Yep. Yep. And, um, you know, I think 
we're it's we are an untapped market and, and the guys who are in on the ground floor who've listened to the first 50 episodes will be yeah i remember when this thing was just kind of this little thing like i'm <laughs> you know i'm so in that mindset right now i've been listening to the gary v podcast like nonstop since we last talked and uh, he's just like this uber positive like you know hustler uh just that that kind of entrepreneurial mentality and it's really just like it's hitting all the all the things cool so you know we've got big plans for this you know this whole situation you know the podcast has been great but i I feel like there's opportunities uh in other mediums um thinking youtube is probably you know on the horizon maybe leaning a little more uh intentionally in that direction while still still doing this of course but um I just feel like right now we have this kind of we're kind of in this this level of flux where our numbers are increasing kind of regularly and there's kind of a trajectory there's a fork in the road there's a thing to choose right now so um me and Dan have been working on some stuff and I just think for the sake of you guys holding us accountable to doing what we want to do Ooh are we going to talk about it? I think we should. <sighs> This is something. Listen, and I've been and here's the thing: we've been so coy about it on the on the podcast. We've been so we'd oh, there's this thing coming. Oh, we can't really say. It's which is funny because on our end, like we, you know, there's been some initial talks and some initial work, but like we haven't really sat, you know, we haven't really sat and put the work in. But um, I feel like by manifesting it, saying it out loud, just like it was creating this podcast, this is just an opportunity for us to actually commit to do some some stuff. So um, Dan and I are slowly in the process of writing a book. And if you have listened to the podcast or read the blog, like you'll know what it's about. <laughs> and it probably won't be anything new um, that you haven't heard before, but it will be in um, some form that is uh, comprehensive and maybe a little bit easier to digest than, I don't know, Well, three uh, straight days of podcasts. <laughs> There's that. There's also, you know, as I wrote the chapter on Guess What? Guess was it what? branding? It was branding. It was. No way. Uh, it was. Um, um, there have been so many times on the podcast when I've had some plan for what you know, brilliantly constructed point I wanted to make about branding or, you know, some nuance I wanted to make sure I got communicated. And then at the end of the episode, I'm like, well, it was good. We had a good conversation, but ah, no, I missed that thing. Or, you know, I don't, I don't think it really got communicated. Being able to sit with my keyboard and lay it out. Um, I found writing that chapter very, um, completing, for me, very satisfying in, in, in a way that I was able to really express something that um, I think I've only gotten partially expressed over the podcast. Yeah. So um, so I think it will be a different uh, message. I think it'll be a more complete message. I think it'll a be... A slightly more evolved message. A more evolved message. Yeah, I think it's fair to say. And I, um, I'm really excited about having it out there. And, you know, and we haven't... We had the idea some time back and there has not been a ton of action around it. So, um, I, I like going public. I like yeah. saying, you know, we have this idea, we have this plan and, um, uh, you know, going out in the world with the fact of it, I think is yeah. going to make a difference. I want to say by this time next year, July 16th, 2020, we have a book and it's out. You think it's going to take us a year? I'm just saying that is a, that's, I feel like that's an attainable goal. Okay. I, I would too. like for it to be done before Christmas. Yes, yes. I, I, yeah, that feels more like if we like were steadily working on it, it'd be Christmas. 
But here's the thing, guys. If you think that this is a terrible idea, please stop us <laughs> yeah, from doing something that could me. potentially, you know, very harmful to us, our careers, and our well-being. Uh, I don't know. I've done a lot of things that went nowhere, and they didn't really impact That's it. fair. I don't know. But yeah, it's that, it's that innovative mindset. We just, you know, I, I know that uh, there's, a, there's another ebook out there that um, I purchased, and um, was about how to you know succeed in the cover band world and feeling like I didn't get what I paid for it out of it, and we don't want to do that. That's right. Um, and we don't know what form it would be. It could be an ebook. Could be you know. It depends on what we what we end up with. Right. You know our. I think our, odds are um, odds are pretty good to end up being an ebook. Yeah, at least. I mean, it's the lowest barrier to entry, right? For it's sure. The cheapest way to do it. Indeed. We could technically put the empty one out tomorrow. For $5. Five, shots fired. Um, <laughs> well, anywho. Until the price goes up in two weeks. Right, exactly. So, that being said, um, let us know your thoughts. If, you have, uh, if we were to dedicate an entire chapter's worth of you know, content on a particular topic, what would you, what, what would be the thing that put the wind in your sails? You know, what would be the, the really helpful chapter? Um, hit us up, email us at coverbandconfidential at gmail.com or message us on the Facebook group or DM us on Instagram or Twitter. Like we, we actually lit, I, ha- I had with one of those conversations earlier this week. Someone was like, well, I, I heard about this and that on, and, and whatever, but what do you guys, I was like, dude, just ask us directly. Like, yeah. We, we're here. No, we're actually humans. Well, not only are we humans, but like we're we're like in the group. Yeah. Like we don't even we're not even at the volume where like we we have to we're like you know passing through stuff. We see everything. We read everything. We respond to everything. Yeah, and 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 um, the volume of that coming at us is not overwhelming. So don't feel like and it's not that's not a criticism. I'm happy with the volume. No, no, no. But but don't feel bad about oh I'm sure they have all these people. That's not the case. Just reach out. I've had some very cool conversations totally. with um, people all over in all over the world at yeah. this point. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's awesome. It is crazy. So, what have you been up to since oh, we last talked? Oh, man. Well, it's been a minute. It has. And our last minute together, we didn't really do a recap. Um, this last week was uh, super busy. I did the trivia on Wednesday. I had a solo acoustic on Friday at the same place, Gibbs 100. Um, yep. And then... Uh, <sighs> Um, you had a thing on Saturday, right? I did. Um, thank you. I had. Um, I played with Viva La Muerte, which is a band I sometimes sub in with. Um, have I told you about taking myself out as their main guitarist? Yeah, we've yeah. covered that on past episodes. Yeah. Well, so their main guy, Ranford, who's um, an incredibly talented young dude, one of those like, just like a really special player, like yeah. really, really a special player, um, was not available. So I sub in with them when he's not available, which is perfect. And so we played at the the big park in downtown Greensboro. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was super fun. It was their first time playing with their new rig. Um, <laughs> the one that you had basically. Essentially, they bought my rig. We played yeah. on mine one night and they loved it. And so they bought the same thing. And uh, it was the first time really using it. And um, um <laughs> we got there and unloaded it and it was all laying there in the band shell area of this park and they all looked at me mm-hmm. and I said, okay, here's the deal. I'm not doing anything. I'm gonna, I, I am instructing this, you know, okay, you take that speaker, put it there. You take that speaker, put it there. Okay. 
All right, there are three layers of cables we're going to lay down. The first one's power. Get the power to the mixer and the power conditioner. Get it back out to the speakers. Get it to where people are going to need power on stage. All right. So on and so forth. Good. Et cetera. <laughs> like, it's like I was giving the instructions. I thought yeah. you were about to give us the next 30 minutes of I could have. No, I, I fully could have because um, I gave it to them. And um, But it was, it was great. I think I left them um, understanding the physical setup of what a PA looks like. Uh, part of the thing with that band is uh, it's sort of a – um, you know, you as a band leader have a business and you have players who are essentially hired in, right? Yep. I, as a band leader or whatever I am, has sort of, have sort of a democratic thing, but I'm the business leader and I have the PA and run all that. Yes. Uh, Matt Armstrong, who is the leader of Viva La Muerte, is the um, nominal philosophical head of an anarchic commune. <laughs> it's like it's it's a band structure that we haven't really talked about much uh, on this podcast but but it exists and um so people show up and totally do their own thing and you know it's it's um wrangling them into a cohesive group of people headed toward a singular goal yes is challenging um and Matt doesn't even try i mean <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, just kind of happening it's around. so not a fit for what that band is sure. that band is a jam band in its heart and it doesn't want to be constrained into like a checklist um and it's then fair. and then there's a pa to set up so there's a sort of mismatch of what needs to happen there but i think they learned i think they got their i got i think they got a grip what um i did end up mixing the whole show from my ipad so i didn't really get a good listen a, a good lesson taught in terms of how to mix a show because mm-hmm. um, I was just essentially doing it as the show was being played. Right. Um, I think I'm probably going to need to go to one of their shows I'm not playing at and train one of their horn players who isn't on every song. Um, mm-hmm. That's probably what it's going to take. Um, anyway, um, but so, you know, aside from all that, it was a very fun show, really um, a lot of fun. The crowd was fun. Um, that park downtown is fun. We played there for the um, Great American Eclipse party. Um, I subbed with them on bass for that show. And so it was the second time I've been in that band shell place downtown with them. And yeah. um, it was really, really a good time. Awesome. And then this coming week, this week I pretty much have off, um, except that on, well, during the week, on Saturday we're playing Foothills, downtown Winston, uh, which is a place we've been a bunch of times and uh, mm-hmm. always fun. So, so that's my schedule. What are you up to? So um, we we had played... The weekend before got rained out, um, which was less than fun. Yeah. Um, and then last weekend we played uh, the uh, we played the Southern Fried Gaming Expo's '80s Prom. Nice. So for those of you who are not in the know, the Southern Fried Gaming Expo is a um, it is a vintage, not not re- even vintage. It's a video game uh, convention. So there's, you know, all different kinds of games, you know, everything from, you know, RPGs to arcade cabinets to, you know, um, D&D and magic and that kind of stuff. So all around there, there were tournaments, there were, you know, matches going on all over the place. And then there was a big, massive exhibit hall that housed all of the, um, the arcade games. It was absolutely just incredible. And um, we uh, we played the '80s prom, which is at the end of the second night on Saturday. And uh, the MC of the event was a guy named Jerry Buckner, who is known for the uh, 
vi- I, I, you can't call it viral, the disco hit Pac-Man Fever. Nice. Um, and a little known fact, he was also nominated for an Academy Award because he wrote a similar song for Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, I believe it's the Fix-It Felix song, which hmm. was on the soundtrack but may not have been in the movie. But it's very similar in scope and tone. One of those Pac-Man end credit Fever. songs that you... Yeah. yeah. Um, he was incredibly nice and generous. I, I actually went to the trouble of learning a little bit of Pac-Man Fever to play for them. <laughs> and um, just actually did my homework on the guy and was able to be like, hey, this, you know, cheesiness aside, like this guy's done some pretty incredible stuff and, you know, deserves our respect as much as, you know, our willingness to, you know, indulge in some cheesiness. Um, and he actually came up to me, he's like, I appreciate you saying nice things about me. <laughs> so that was cool. Uh, the event was a blast. Lots of costumes. Um, they had a, like a vintage prom style photo booth set up. And um, the big difference between this gig and most other gigs was uh, we had a sub on bass and I was the only guitar player. Right. So um, what we ended up with, um, they didn't want much. It was like two 45 minute sets with like a 15 minute break. So, Hmm. um, you know, I created a list and then realized that we had way more songs than we needed. So kind of slowly whittled them down until we had just about the right amount. Um, and, you know, I've got pretty high standards. So I, I would say that I played okay. Um, there were a couple of issues that I was having with, you know, tuning, stability. I was playing a different guitar than I normally do um, just to try to something with humbuckers to give it a more beefy sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was having to tune a lot more than I really wanted to. Um, and then the lighting situation was kind of hard. Like I was, we were about to start the solo f- for, uh, hit me with the best shot. And this like spot on the floor literally like turned on right in my face. And I was completely blinded <laughs> uh, just as the solo started with science. Um, yeah. And there was just a lot of those moments where I was like, I can't see what I'm doing. I hope this is right. It sounds right. right. It's not right. I need yep. to fix this. Yeah. But you know, I didn't spend the rest of the night beating myself up or anything. It was just, it was a fun experience. People were super nice. Um, Very good. It may have opened up some, some more doors for us. Um, they, the couple, the people who put on this, um, expo are also in the business of doing this, uh, for other things. And I think we might've, you know, this was one of those kind of like, we'll strategically play this event cause it looks cool and maybe it'll result in more stuff. And I right. think that, that, that should happen. Good, good, so. good. And, you know, proof of concept, we can play as a four-piece. I can hold that side of the stage down. It's sure. not as much fun, but it can be done. Can be done. Pardon me. So, I'll tell you this. I had, um, I had some tech issues, too, in my show with VLM. Yeah. Um, very first song, I pulled the neck side strap peg out of my guitar. Woo! And caught it. I mean, you know, ended the song holding my guitar up um, with the... the the screw pulled out of where it's supposed to be. Yep. Fortunately, I always come repaired with a second. And so I, um, I said repaired <laughs> with a second prepared is what I was. And so I picked mm-hmm. my second one up and I played it the rest of the night, which is, it's my second guitar. It doesn't feel as good. It's not as nice. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the B, the B stock guitar, um, cost more, but doesn't feel as nice. Um, and then in the last song, I blew a string Bah. And this guitar has a floating trim that's blocked. So mm-hmm. it only went sharp by about 
a full step and a half. <laughs> That's that, that feels like a lot. Yeah, it, it was a lot. Well, it could have been way worse. If it hadn't been blocked, it, you know, it would have been completely unfixable. But I, I waved off a solo at one point, which you can do in a jam band, and, um, and, and, and tuned. I retuned you know, every string and actually finished the song in tune and playing solos. It was, uh, it was pretty good. So, you know, technical challenges, but I recovered. So be prepared, I think is the lesson there. Be prepared. Yeah. Mine was, uh, I, I was playing a, a Fernandez Ravel, which is basically a, like a Les Paul. Yep. Um, I just needed some with a bit more oomph, but, um, it had been sitting in a case, hasn't been set up in probably five, six years. And just even though it's got locking tuners and you know a graph tech nut and a tone pros, like it is, you know it is. It should be rock solid. It just wasn't. Right, right. So, yep. Trip to the, uh, the to the tech for that one. Yeah. Yeah. All of my guitars probably need to go at this point. Fair. Lots and lots of money just waiting to be spent. <laughs> but speaking of which, I want to delve into what I want to delve into tonight. And um, this was something that I've been thinking about and just kind of seemed like some some things happened in sequence that uh, just reinforced that it was probably a time to talk about it. And that, my faithful listening friends, is the abundance mindset. How many of you out there know what I'm talking about? What is the abundance mindset? Dan? Well... I mean, I think most of us are more familiar with the scarcity mindset because it's where we live much more of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the question is when, um, when you look at the world and the opportunities that are in it, do you um, see it as a zero-sum game that you have to fight to win that is, you know, working against you? Or do you see the world as full of opportunity and full of... Um, connection and the uh, the chance to be someone who provides the world value and gets value back in return um i think that's fundamentally the difference that was like the touchy-feely way yeah it's pretty touchy-feely yeah 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 i think uh, a way to sum it up is that um someone else's success equates to less success on your end is so the scarcity wins, that's, the, that's the scarcity yeah, mindset, the scarcity yeah, mindset yeah, would yeah. be yeah. That if somebody somebody wins, that means that you lost. Right. And I think that this mindset is prevalent in all markets and most scenes um, because there is just this perception that if um, a band that, you know, is in your town that you're not in got a gig, that meant that you didn't get it. And that there are cool opportunities that pop up and somebody gets them, that means that you don't have that opportunity. But um, whether that's true or not, and, I'm, and I don't discount that in some circumstances that is true. In order for somebody to get a gig, a bunch of people had to be turned down. That doesn't, that, that, whether that is true or not really doesn't matter in this instance and, and in, your, in your, you know, your day-to-day. Um, the mindset is really what it's about. It's believing, whether it's true or not, that um, other people's success has no bearing on your success. So if people around you are winning, 
that doesn't mean that your opportunity to win goes down. It means that other people are winning, and because there's just winning in the air, that that winning will also come to you. Sure. I mean, I you know, actually that you are connected with people who are winning in whatever way mm-hmm. is, uh, is uh, uh, you know, has an impact on your success. Yeah. And it's very easy to look at other other bands as competition in your market because you know there are there are shows that are going to happen one way or the other and whether you play them or somebody else plays them you know that does affect your bottom line um, in a lot of circumstances but the other way to look at it would be that you know if there are bands in your city or in your immediate area that make more money than you do that means that there are people in that area willing to pay more money for the service that you provide. Yep. Which is a good thing, which is you want that. You want there to be, you know, being at the top of, you know, of, of the food chain is probably nice. I, I, I'm guessing. <laughs> we, I don't know. We, what it feels we wouldn't like. know. Yeah. No, but you know, if there's nowhere to go, you know, for a lot of us, this whole process is just in the discovery. It's in the chase of whatever that is. You know, it's it's the what does the dog do when once you know it gets the tail it's chasing. You know, and um, for those of us who are kind of into that and into that mindset, you know, we're really into the innovation side of it and the trying new things and the taking risks and you know readjusting and and just that constant process. Um, that that should be you know something to strive for. That you know we should be. We should be happy for the people in our markets that are doing better than we are, and we should take every opportunity we can to learn from what they're doing and um, implement it ourselves and see if that you know translates to uh, more success for us. And the two things that really kind of popped in my head about this that I wanted to you know that just kind of re- propelled me to to go ahead and talk about it um, are twofold. One, I want to call out the guys, some guys in our group. That would be uh, David Jeremillo or Millo, David Jeremillo. Um, he posted uh, early a couple of weeks ago um, that he wanted to let us know about something that's going on in Chicago. Um, it seems like we've got a pretty big <laughs> uh, listener base in the uh, Chicagoland area, which yeah. is kind of cool. Uh, I'm actually going up to Chicago in two weeks for fun. Uh, anyway, uh, David. You are going to get invited to so many shows. I don't have the ability to go to any or of them, unfortunately. Um, But anyway, so uh, David wanted to let us know that he started listening to the podcast and then ran into a guy named Adam Runnels, who's been in the group and kind of active uh, for a while and has a couple of things going on. And, you know, between the two of them, they kind of hit it off and they, you know, they're both 90s bands. And in any other circumstance these guys could have looked at each other's competition and been precious with their information and, um, you know, not, you know, done anything with each other, but instead they opted to go, Hey, what you do is kind of unique and what we do doesn't quite overlap. So why don't we try and put some stuff together? And so they are, they, uh, they booked a show at a place called tailgaters, which I feel like I've seen the inside of at least three or four times now. Um, so the Rack and the Riddler and the Buzzworthies are playing a show. Um, actually, they already played it. It happened um, this past weekend. Nice. So we should reach out to them, see how, how, see how it went. Yeah. Um, but they looked at that situation and they were like, what can we do 
to help each other and not look at each other like competition and be precious with their, you know, their information and, you know, kind of sneaky or whatever. Yeah. Um, Because there's so much of that. It happens. Every single one of you guys in your town knows about stuff like that. Yeah, it or, happens or you, all the time. Or you've done it. Yeah. L- listen, here's the thing. I've done it. Of course. I, ha- I, happen, to, it too. I happen to know you've done it, right? So it's, it's it, you know, it's one of those things that, um, <laughs> was it, right? Uh, regime change starts at home. Yep. <laughs> right? What there is to do is to start noticing when we are operating from some fear-based place about bookings or opportunities or yep. contacts or... God, set lists or whatever. Oh um, my gosh, the set. Can we talk about the set list for like two oh, seconds? Let's. Oh, do we have to? Yeah, no. Let's. 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 Oh, the in in a in a group that shall not shall remain unnamed. Um, I saw so many things where people were like, "I'm not going to tell you my set list." Like <laughs> they had somehow cracked the the song list code. That's right. And their order of songs was proprietary in such a way that no one for fear they would lose their livelihood should ever see it. It just was such the, it was such a funny thing to me. It was. That, and, and, you know, and the ones that were posted was like, wait, you play Mustang Sally? Oh, I play Mustang Sally. Yeah, How dare like, you play Mustang Sally? It was Sally. really like the whole secret bizarre. sauce apparently is where you put Mustang Sally in the so set. So weird. And, and, and by the way, I have cracked that, but that's a whole other <laughs> podcast. That's all an episode totally separate from this one. Well, anyway, <laughs> the the whole idea here being like, yeah, we, we all have those moments. You yep, know, yep. there's a part of like right now I was looking at our calendar and there's a big fat hole in it uh, in a couple of months. And there's a part of me that's that's afraid. Like, you know, maybe we won't play as much as I want to in that month, but I'm not going to do that. I am confident that, you know, we've got stuff going on. We have stuff coming up that... Um, once we kind of start doing those things that there's a momentum to it and, and that those, those dates that I would like to be playing will probably fill themselves out. And on a related note to that, um, a band who I have mentioned on this podcast before, uh, who I would consider, you know, the premier band, uh, in our area who does what, what I do, what we do. Um, I, they're, they're great. They're really, really good. They're arguably, better than we are but last week i got a i got a an email from them and they were like hey uh we have a date that doesn't work um it's a wedding in this place and it pays four thousand dollars will you do it for us (laughs) yes the answer is yes yeah yeah i i you know there are certain certain uh people in this that wouldn't take their leftovers because of pride or whatever but listen I can't pay my mortgage with my pride That's right. or with the, you know, respect of my peers or whatever, you know? And it was one of those things where we had been in groups. I'd been in that group in a different configuration in the past and, um, you know, just stopped working with them. It wasn't anything personal or weird other than there being, I mean, there might've been some competition there and it was, they're definitely someone that I always looked out for because, you know, they were at the top of the game, but, you know, by maintaining those relationships and not being petty and talking about people behind their backs and doing all the things that insecure musicians do, I got money in my pocket. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. 
it's just one of those things. Um, you know, we need to be, I, I, I think it, it's such a, it's so important just for our well being because the jealousy and the insecurity, you know, it eats you up on the inside and by letting go of all of that and, and just kind of just changing your mindset. And it's not, you know, uh, it's, it's not going to be immediate, but it's something that requires practice. You can, you can just choose to do it, you know? Um, but I think you'll be better off. Definitely. It's, it, you know, letting yourself go is, and, and just being happy for people. Just be happy for people. It requires no more energy than, you know, being jealous of them. Oh, way less. Yeah, probably less. Way, way, way less. Way so. less. And, and, by the way, it actually produces more results. Do, do you know, um, there's this phenomenon in business called networking. Hmm. And go on. Yeah. Yeah. Networking. It's a whole thing. People go to events to network. I would like to hear more about this networking. Well, here's how you be a great, great networker is you meet someone and you talk with them and you find out what would make a difference for them, what they need. And then you tracking so far. Yeah. Then you think about who you know that could provide that and you connect those two people. Whoa. That's how you be a fantastic networker is you are someone who you're you know, library of people who you're aware of is something you bring to bear to provide value for other people. And whether you believe karma is a thing or not, um, doing good things for other people will typically mean that good things come your way. Exactly. Listen, imagine, you know, five years of being someone who is reliable for connecting people with the person Mm -hmm. they need, right? Pretty soon, on your scene, on your you know business environment and your your music scene, you're known as that guy who's the resource man. You can go to him for anything, and yeah. and and um, pretty soon you're plugged into everything that's going on. You're aware mm-hmm. of the whole like every dynamic on the scene, and um, you know as a function of that, you are in demand both personally and professionally, and that's yep. you know you end up being this crucial sort of central person. And it's how you become central in a scene is by being a force to connect value with people who need value. It's called juice. You guys, it is. You got, you want to get some juice about you. Get some juice about you. That you sounds juice. That sounds Atlanta. It, it's, it, it may be a Southern thing. Juice just kind of means like reputation. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But, a- and, and how you build that is by providing value for people. You know, a lot of people go to networking events looking to find, you know, a lead to sell to. Sure. And that is a mistake. That is a mistake. Yep. It, it, well, it just kind of cheapens the experience. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it, and it, and it orients you in a, in a mode of taking value rather than providing value. Yep. And, um, you know, it's just not correlated with long term, um, you know, prominence. If you're, if you are known as a taker, then people start treating you like that. People start, yep. you know, and they will, yeah, they will start being precious with their information. They will yeah, do those things. Absolutely. They'll, sure. they'll, they'll defend themselves against your desire to take value from them. Mm-hmm. Cause look, you know, I just met you and I find out like, Oh, you're relating to me. Like I'm, you know, I could book you as an opener for me. And that's yeah. like, that's your own. It's all you talk about with me. 
Well, I mean, all right, maybe, I guess, but now that's what you are for me. You're not somebody who's like, oh, you want to move into this kind of venue? You know, I know that guy. Let me just, you should go talk to him. Let me get get him. Hang on one second. Or if you're a person who does booking like that, you know, you're, that's what you can provide them. Like, hey, I can can make you money. Yeah. Like, but that's. That, you know, finding those those opportunities, and th- the thing is, is that giving giving it away does feel better than getting it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I hate to say it, it, doesn't it's not intuitive. It's true. It's true. But doing good things for other people feels good. Yep. It just does. Yep. So if you don't know what that's about, find a local charity volunteer <laughs> once a month. You know what? No, seriously. Seriously, that's a that would be a great homework assignment for everyone on the podcast. One hundred percent. Yeah. I, I'm I'm totally I'm totally about that. Just um, you know what I this this kind of we were talking about this when we were prepping. I was like, this is going to be one of those like motivationally self helpy kind of ones. So good. But um, I've just been I've been listening to you know a lot of podcasts about entrepreneurship and you know small business owners and things like that um, because that's how I view myself. You know, I am a musician, but I'm also a person who you know is building, building a business. And there are guys like, um, I was talking about it in the last episode, Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V. Uh, if you are, if you have any remote entrepreneur kind of like bent and you haven't heard of this guy, seek him out. Um, his content is ridiculous. And he's got a book called crushing it that I'm, um, I'm probably going to buy in the next couple of days. Uh, once I get done with my, you know, other money self-help book that I'm <laughs> plowing through on audible right now, yeah. which is, I will teach you to be rich. Uh, also a very cool book. Yes. So, What's his name? I'll teach you to be rich. That guy's, uh, uh Ramit. Yeah. I can't think of his last, yeah. last name. Yeah. I did sign up for his emails. Yeah. Uh, so Ramit Sethi, I think it might be, I don't know how you pronounce it, but, but anyway, yeah. um, great book, and he's got a cool, yeah, Ramit Sethi, I Will Teach You to Be Rich. Uh, fantastic book. Uh, it's funny. He's got like a really kind of down-to-earth way of talking about um, finances. So, And it's important. Get your money. Get your money. Anywho, I just got good news. I got an email that said that I was planning on playing on Saturday. Now I don't have to. Which Very is nice. good, because I, fam- I found out I got family coming into town, so. Excellent. Good stuff. All right, are you satisfied with that whole, uh, that I think whole, so. Uh, yeah, I think it was good. This was a lively conversation. We were, like, our voices were up in, like, higher registers. You'll have to EQ it differently. <laughs> I won't, but we'll see what happens. Just add delay. Just, like, a nice, oh. like, a washy, like, a washy reverb and, and like, a. Maybe, like, a slapback. Something like that. Yeah. That would not be annoying to listen to. <laughs> no, no one would hate that. No, not at all. Well, yeah, um, got some stuff, uh, some stuff cooking, uh, both with the agency and with the bands, and um, there'll be lots to talk about when we reconvene next week. Yes, indeed. And we're we're coming for you, Jimmy. Uh, <laughs> Here we come. We're coming. So just get ready. Look at wrecked. And yeah, and we'll we'll be looking to do some more interviews. You know, shake up the the format. And like I said, I, I'm really motivated to start doing some YouTube stuff. So be on the lookout for that. And also writing a book. Yep, and also writing a book, apparently, because we said we were doing that. Here we so are. So there you have it. Yeah. Well, that will do it for us. From Atlanta, Georgia, I am Adam Johnson. From Greensboro, North Carolina, Dan Ray. You have been listening to the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, episode 59.